Praise the Lord. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, Sister Rogers, whereby we must be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just praise him one more time. I'm so thankful for what I feel in this place today. I'm so thankful for a God that is choosing to meet us today here in this place and that that God is the the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you for your worship today. I love this church. I'm so thankful I'm a part of a church that loves the presence of the Lord. But I know that you love the presence of the Lord because you love the word of the Lord. And the scripture says that he exalted his word even above his name. And so I'm thankful to be here today. I never take this lightly to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most powerful entity in the entire world. Right here, we have access every day, every day. But the Romans said it this weekend that there are more versions of the Bible today available for free than ever before. What is our excuse? What is my excuse to not find life? And as he preached Friday night's pleasures forevermore. So I'm thankful for his word. Uh, I, I also want to take time, thank you to my brother, pastor of this church, for letting me be here today and, and preach to you. And I, I do want to give a special thanks and Shout out to my wonderful father. Um, thank you for your heritage that you've given us. And today we're going to be talking about fathers a little bit. I'm going to, I guess I'll go ahead and give my title today. I'm going to be talking about the father's house. Only in the Father's house. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 15 and verse 11. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, it was preached on Friday night. Thought it was going to steal my message. But it's God's message, so I don't get to say that. Very familiar passage of scripture, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of my goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And they're wasted. Somebody say wasted. Wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he spent all, it was all gone, 
there arose a mighty famine in the land. Isn't it interesting how that happens? There's a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And when he joined himself to a citizen of that country, he sent him into the fields to the swine, or to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and yet I perish with hunger. So I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and, and put a ring on his hand and, and shoes on his feet and and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and then is found. And they began to be merry. As I said before, I'm going to be talking today about on the subject only in the father's house. And um, I would like to do something. You may be seated. We'll do something a little different today. Um, some very special people of this church have put together, um, Brother Albert put together a podcast and had Brother Zelke on. If you're not listening to it, you should be. Um, and I want to play an excerpt from that. Um, and I'll say this before I go on. I was listening to this podcast a few weeks ago, a week or so ago, I can't remember quite, but... The conversation at the end of this podcast gripped me. And it changed the very understanding. I, As many times as I've read the story of the prodigal son, I felt like the Lord gave me this message. And so, Sister Charity, could you play that excerpt from the podcast today? It's wonderful to, to know that uh, I was just reminded of Jesus telling us, cast your cares, you know, or was it Jesus? Yes, uh, cast your cares cast upon Cast your burden upon me. Upon him, for he careth for you. And when you think about that in the sense of, like, you know, our usually take circumstances. Or our worries, uh, you know, whether it be depression or sadness or something, but our sin burden, you know, we're either going to carry that to a judgment. Yes. Or we're going to cast it upon him. Yes, precisely. And rely upon what he did for us. Precisely. And I'm, I much would rather, because I know I am wholly and totally inadequate to deal with my sin myself. Yes. Amen. You know, I've got to have his blood applied to me. And thank God, when I was nine years old, 
you know, <laughs> I, I had just enough of a knowledge to go to be, you know, baptized in water. Praise God. In the name of Jesus Christ and have his blood applied yes, to my life and yes, my sins. Sir. You know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm undone without you it. Know, you know, there's, there's a sense in which when you touch the altar, you touch the blood. Yes. Because that's where he offered it to yes. make atonement for the soul. And really, I'm cautious about this statement, but it's almost as if that's as far as God will come toward you, is to the altar. Mm -hmm. What else can he do? Right. He's not right. going to twist your arm. No, he's given us freedom. He's free put will. it all yes. out there at an altar. And so that when you come to the altar, because that's where it was made, that's where it was offered, that's where he makes a new man. So he's there constantly inviting, always an invitational thing. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Yes. Uh, and it's we go. But when you touch that altar... <laughs> It's if the you have covenant <laughs> like with Abraham, you know. Praise the, God. Uh, yes. If you have brought your sin, you're touching the blood. Yes. When you brought your sin, you're touching the blood. The story that we have read today, the prodigal son, has been preached over and over again in mighty cathedrals, chapels, and churches all over the world for centuries. So I'm not preaching any new thought. Brother Zelke, you prayed today for me, and you prayed so eloquently the prayer. We're not bringing a new thought. The word is forever settled. I'm preaching something that everyone knows and relates to whether they consider themselves religious or not. Because deep down, we all know that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Whether you even understand what you know, you know that you have fallen short. I know that I have fallen short. But I think today it's important to examine again and hopefully see it maybe differently. At least I have, and it's gripped me. As I alluded earlier, many people who tell this story do it in a setting like this one, in a church. But if we examine the original telling of the story, it was not told to the church, or in a church, I should say. Because if you read Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So Jesus is in the middle of a bunch of sinners, eating with them, spending time with them. And I just want to stop. I want to stop and preach to Dustin Griffith for a second. I get so comfortable with where God has brought me from or where he has kept me out of that I start thinking correction is only for other people. I start thinking that he's always talking to the sinner. That the, the word of God and the, the, the truth of God and all these things are only for them. But Jesus in this moment stops eating with, eating with sinners so he could correct the religious. 
It was the religious that needed a, a word. It was not the sinner. In this moment, Matthew chapter 23 I'm reading this out of the New King James says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not according to their works. For they say, do not, they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works have to, they do to be seen of men. They make their uh, phylic, I don't know that word, I'm sorry, broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places of feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Church, we cannot be quick to excuse ourselves of God's commands. If we are to be a city set on a hill, our world needs to see a difference in us. Sister Rogers, you preached a message today. We need to show people Jesus. And to show people Jesus, we need to realize that I need Jesus, I need him. I need to be constantly in that crimson stream of blood that washes me and cleanses me. I need to access his mercy new every morning. It's not always for the sinner. Sometimes the sinner's right here. Sometimes I need a new relationship with Jesus. So Jesus starts teaching three parables, and the last being the prodigal son. And so we see in verse 13 that the prodigal doesn't just leave the house. He goes far away, the Bible says. It says that, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. We need the church. Don't let anybody tell you, you don't need the church. I can tell you in my own life, there have been times where I have been disillusioned with the church. But I can't afford to go to a faraway country. I need to be grounded in the church. It is the bride of Christ. We are his bride. Well, I need you. As Sister Roger said, I'm sorry, I'm just tag teaming with you today. We need each other. I need you and you need me. And in this faraway country, the Bible says, and he went and spent all. And there rose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. The scripture says, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, those of you that were here this week and were here Friday night, as I said before, Brother Romine preached a fabulous message on this topic of Scripture entitled, The Only Path to Pleasure. And he talked about how the prodigal would have never been in want in the father's house. He, he thought the grass was greener, but the entire time 
Everything he needed was in the Father's house. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. He had everything he could ever need, but now he is forced to do something he never would have done. Become a citizen in another country, controlled by someone else who cared nothing about him. If you know anything about the Jews at that time, being a part of God's chosen people was extremely important to them. And here he is joining another country, becoming a part of the household of someone. And, and this is what that got him. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. You see, if I'm not careful, I get so entangled with the prestige of this world. I get so entangled with the knowledge and the understanding of this world. I get so entangled with the politics of this world, the kingdoms of this world, the things of this world, that I become dependent on this world. The problem is, is this world doesn't care about me or you. And if I believe the Bible, the God of this world cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So why do I want to depend on that thief in the night? Why, why wouldn't I want to depend on the one that said, I've come that ye might have life, life more abundantly, we have to be careful that we don't rely. And again, I'm speaking to me because it's so easy. It's so easy to go through the things we see and say, you know what, I am dependent. I, I get my self-worth from my promotion at my job or my, you know, for me, my, I have 10,000 streams on Spotify. That's huge for me. Look at what I've done. The problem is, is those people don't care for you. This world doesn't care. It just wants to strip you. And that's where this young man found himself. He found himself in the middle of a country, enslaved to a slave owner that did not care if he lived or died. So, in that moment, the Bible says that he came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough? See, he realized that even the servants in his father's house were loved, were cared for, were taken care of. And here he is with all the prestige that he had, with everything that he had, he's sitting here hungry. And he says, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called a son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now I wanna, I wanna tread carefully here and I know that my pastor, my elders will correct me if I'm wrong. 
But I've read this story my whole life. And in my mind, I've always read this scripture as if the father ran to the pig pen. I know it doesn't say that. But when I apply the story to my life, I feel like I can come into the presence of the God after living any way I want, and I feel his presence, and I'm good. If, he, if he's willing to, he's, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can read scripture just one time and, and feel the presence of God, and, and I'm good. I'm good again. And I think so many times when we apply this, we say, well, the Lord... We sing songs about it. The Lord will chase us down, you know. And, and obviously, I can't negate stories like Paul to the road to Damascus or the thief on the cross or the woman caught in adultery, people that God literally caught them and found them at their lowest point. But in this parable, Jesus is trying to communicate something extremely important. The father never left his house. It didn't matter what, how grieved he was for his son. It didn't matter how much he wanted to go grab him and strap him into his house and say, no, I ain't letting you do that. I said this on a Wednesday night not too long ago. I was talking about my daughter and saying, there's coming a day where I'm going to have to let her go. And if it was up to me, she would never leave my house. But there's coming a point as a good father that I have to allow her to go. You see, the father couldn't help his son in the pig pen because his authority, his abundance, and all that he had ended when he walked outside the confound of his house. The other country was not his domain. And why I believe I can apply this to Jesus Jesus said this, he said in the book of Mark, he said, and then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians and saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God and truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinketh thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and he said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought it unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose image and subscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. And then he saith to them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. You see, we do serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, he is the most powerful entity in all the universe. And when he says things, they happen. However, he will not operate in areas of our life that we do not make him the authority over. He loves you way too much to overpower your own will and make you give him your all. 
He wants you so desperately, but you have to give it to him. You have to come to yourself and come back to his place of authority. And that place of authority is at an altar. That place of an authority is where he shed his blood and poured it out on Calvary for you. Going back to that podcast, Brother Zelke, you said it. It seems that sometimes Jesus will only come as far as an, off, as an altar. And I believe that is true, and I believe it's true because that's where his riches are stored up. That's where there's life. In the Father's house, there are so many pleasures. But if you don't come to the place where you say, I gotta go back. I, I've gotta go back. It's only in my Father's house that I, can, that I won't be hungry. It's only in my Father's house and I'm not just talking about the physical altar or the church house that we're talking today. I'm talking about my heart. Until I come back to the place where I'm in relationship with him. Until I come to the place where I'm in relationship. You see, I mentioned some people earlier. Paul on the road to Damascus. It wasn't until he he looked up and was, he was looking for the Lord that the Lord called to him. The thief on the cross was mocking the Lord with the other thief. But at some point he came to himself and said, this man isn't like us. He's done nothing wrong. Remember me. Remember me. <laughs> you see the woman caught in adultery. I can't imagine being terrified, humiliated, humbled. But Jesus took time. But what did he say? Go thy way and sin no more. We have a calling. We have a purpose. But it starts in the house and the habitation of the Father. It starts in the habitation of the Father. Psalms chapter 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of man. I'm going to read one more scripture and then I'm coming to a close. Psalms chapter 91. Such a familiar portion of scripture. But this was the scripture that last night I read it. Broke me. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. We have to dwell there. I say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God in whom I will trust. 
Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings and only there shalt thou trust. His truth shall be a shield and a buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the sorrow that fleeth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at the noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but thou shalt not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Can we dwell with him today? Sister Rogers preached it. He did so much for me. He gave everything he could give for me. And the only way for me to access that is to come to him and say, Lord, I need it. I need you. I'm not good enough of, my, enough of myself. I've been saved a long time, but God, I still need to come back to the Father's house. It's only there. It's only there. I'm just going to open these altars. Let's just make this a prayer room to the Lord. Let's come back to the Father's house.